for Zion's sake I will not keep silent for Zion's sake I'll not hold my peace Welcome to For Zion's Sake Isaiah 62.1 is taken directly out of the Hebrew Scriptures when the prophet Isaiah declared, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not keep quiet until her righteousness goes forth like brightness and her salvation like a torch that is burning. Your hosts for the program are Shelley and June Volk, Jewish believers burdened to see Jew and Gentile become one. Believers strengthened in their faith and for their Jewish kinsmen to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. Bless the Lord and welcome to For Zion's Sake. We thank you for joining us. We're the Volks. My name is Shelley. And my name is June. Hi, everyone. It's good to be with you as we start another week of broadcasting. And let me introduce the subject by saying the following. Throughout time, people have attempted to destroy the nation of Israel, which is called the apple of God's eye. And you might ask the question, why? Well, because from our Jewish people came the covenants, the promises, the law, and the Messiah. We could read about that in in Romans 9. In other words, we brought salvation to the world. And the people of God are the enemy of Satan, the prince of this world. And we can even trace back to the first prophecy, which is in Genesis 3.15. And regarding the book of Esther, while a remnant from Judah returned to the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob after the Babylonian captivity, other Jews remained in the cities of their captivity. Some were welcomed as valued members of their communities, but others were despised and hated, and some were even targeted for extermination. Esther tells this story, and Esther tells us of the inauguration of a feast that was, has endured for over 2,000 years because of one woman, Esther, who for the sake of her people was willing to say, if I perish, I perish. So we're going to look at uh, this book chapter by chapter. The events take place from the year 483 B.C. to 473 B.C. And what we'll find is that this book reveals many things, specifically the providence and the sovereignty of God, how God preserves our Jewish people, It's a prophetic picture of the end days and a foreshadowing of the destruction of the enemies of Israel. So, Junie, why don't we just get right into the book, because it will be rich. So, if you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Esther. I'm going to be reading chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Now, it took place in the days of Ahasuerus, the Ahasuerus who reigned from India to Ethiopia, over 127 provinces, In those days, as King Ahasuerus sat on his royal throne, which was at the citadel of Susa, in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his princes and attendants, the army officers of Persia and Media, the nobles and the princes of his provinces being in his presence. And he displayed the riches of his royal glory and the splendor of his great majesty for many days, a hundred and eighty days. When these days were completed, the king gave a banquet 
lasting seven days for all the people who were present at the citadel in Susa, from the greatest to the least in the court of the garden of the king's palace. All right, let's go to verse 7 now, okay? Drinks were served in golden vessels of various kinds, and the royal wine was plentiful according to the king's bounty. And the drinking was done according to the law. There was no compulsion, for so the king had given orders to each official of his household that he should do according to the desires of each person. Queen Vashti also gave a banquet for the women in the palace, which belonged to King Ahasuerus. Verse 10. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mahuman, Bistha, Harbona, Bigtha, Abagatha, Zether, and Carcass, the seven eunuchs who served in the presence of Ahasuerus. Verse 11 now through 15. To bring Queen Vashti before the king with her royal crown in the order to display her beauty to the people and the princes, for she was beautiful. But Vashti refused to come to the king's command delivered by the eunuchs. Then the king became very angry, and his wrath burned within him. Then the king said to the wise men who understood the times, for it was the custom of the king, so to speak, before all who knew law and justice and were close to him. And then the men's names were all named with the seven princes, Persla and Media, who had access to the king's presence and sat in the first place in the kingdom. According to the law, what is to be done with Queen Vashti, because she did not obey the command of King Ahasuerus, delivered by the eunuchs? Let's pick it up in verse 16. And the presence of the king and the princes, Memukan said, Queen Vashti has wronged not only the king, but also all the princes and all the peoples who are in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus. For the queen's conduct will become known to all the women, causing them to look with contempt on their husbands by saying, King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought into his presence, but she did not come. Verse 18. And this day the ladies of Persia and Media, who have heard of the queen's conduct, will speak in the same way to all the king's princes, and there will be plenty of contempt and anger. If it pleases the king, let a royal edict be issued by him, and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media, so that it cannot be repealed, that Vashti should come no more into the presence of King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal position to another who is more worthy than she. So we see, Junie, the first situation spelled out in this book, and we want to remind every one of you who are listening that throughout the book it'll seem like there are independent events that take place, and yet because of the sovereignty and the providence of God, we're going to see how powerful all this comes together. And then we go to verse 20. And when the king's edict, which he shall make, is heard throughout all the kingdom, great as it is, then all women will give honor to their husbands, great and small. And this word pleased the king and the princes, and the king did as Memucan proposed. So he sent letters to all the king's provinces 
to each province according to its script, and to every people according to their language, that every man should be the master in his own house, and the one who speaks in the language of his own people. So the scene is set, Junie. We read about a king who was very lavish in his demonstrations, gathering together people for about six months, and then having a seven-day banquet. And at the and then he invited his wife, who, according to all records, was a very beautiful woman. And perhaps he wanted her to display her beauty before all these people. And she refused because she was a very special lady. So what does the king do? He sends out an edict to all the land that all men must be the masters in their homes. Okay? So this is like a scene. And then we're going to go on from there right to chapter 2. But we've got to keep all of these things in mind because at the end it all comes together. So let's go to chapter 2. I'm going to go right through verse 7. All right, chapter 2. After these things, when the anger of King Ahasuerus had subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what had been decreed against her. Then the king's attendants who served him said, Let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king, and let the king appoint overseers in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may gather every beautiful young virgin to Susa, the capital, to the harem, into the custody of Hegai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the women, and let their cosmetics be given them. Then let the young lady who pleases the king be queen in place of Vashti. And the matter pleased the king, and he did accordingly. Verse 5. Now there was a Jew in Susa, the capital whose name was, who, in Susa the capital, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jeah, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been taken into exile from Jerusalem with the captives who had been exiled with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had exiled. And he was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. Now the young lady was beautiful, a form and face, and when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Junie, I, I, we just need to uh, really realize that so often we would look at events in our lives or the lives of people around us as just independent acts, not related to everything. But as we go on in the book of Esther, we're going to see the providence and the sovereignty of God, that what takes place could have a significant impact on what events are going to take place. And we might ask ourselves, why is it that Mordecai and Esther did not go back to Israel after the Babylonian captivity. But they came to Persia, the most powerful kingdom on the earth. Why is it that Mordecai took his cousin Esther and started to care for her when her mother and father died? And why is it that she was born to be such a beautiful young virgin? Now, is it coincidence? Absolutely not. And we as believers cannot look upon events in our lives as coincidences or happenstances, but everything that happens really has a purpose if we seek the way of God. And we find, Shelley, in the Psalms that David cried, Oh God, my heart is fixed. And we're going to see Esther, Mordechai, and Israel, the Jewish people in Persia, how their hearts were fixed on the God of Israel, and their hearts were fixed 
to obey his commandments through the law given to Moses. And it is a picture, Shelley, of um, the Jews today being dispersed into all the nations of the world and still following those who are faithful, Orthodox or conservative Jews, who follow the commandments of God. And for the church, the called out ones, the ecclesia, are we fixed on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, even Jesus, to follow his ways and his law, no matter what land we live in, and no matter what people around us do, do we have a determination in our hearts to follow what we know would be pleasing in the eyes of God. So it was a very big thing what Esther said, if I perish, I perish, and we're going to find out during the course of this week what constituted her saying that. So here we have Mordecai, we have Esther, we have King Ahasuerus in Susa, and we're going to learn of how Purim came about. So, Father, we want to thank you as we start a new uh, teaching this week, and we pray it would speak to every one of our listeners that God is for the Jewish people. He's for all the saints. He's for people who love him. And he will protect us, my God. And we cannot speak about coincidences or accidents because with God, he watches over his people all the time. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this evening. If you would like to get in touch with Shelley and June, you can write to them at P.O. Box 1784, Scottsdale, Arizona 85252. That's P.O. Box 1784, Scottsdale, Arizona 85252. And you can also contact them on their website, ShelleyAndJuneVolk.com. That's ShelleyAndJuneVolk.com. Until next time, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. This program was sponsored by the Psalm 127 Fund.